0: I'm a soldier, I've been a soldier since 1983 under Ronald Reagan, got out in 2015 out of the Texas National Guard, uh, left third group, active duty 2015, so that's my background. Uh, I've worked as a uh, grunt and a uh, Green Beret guy and then a doctor, uh, surgeon, actually flight surgeon, so uh, that's that's my background, but, uh, background, but uh, I, I, looks like I got some echo I here, is that coming in an echo here? to you?
1: Okay? Yeah, there's always a slight echo when you start. It should level out. It part okay. of its been with
0: Track it. All right. So uh, yeah, I, I was a whistleblower. Otherwise, I, I would have never been known by anybody. I would have just retired and went to the ranch. But uh, Senator Johnson said my name on C-SPAN one day with Teresa Long, Sam Sigloff, and uh, Mark Bishaw was our our quartet uh, roundoff. So uh, we were the uh, whistleblowers on the DMed data. There's some argument as to whether it was. Glitched or not glitched, or completely correct or incorrect, uh, but uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today will make some of it uh, a little more understandable. Now that we know that uh, what we were dealing with was not necessarily uh, <clears throat> vaccines, as we know, but countermeasures, which fall under a different category of uh, terminology. and that, uh, typically we don't use that term in medical, <laughs> in the medical world, but uh, more in the uh, uh, on the mill side. So that being said, we're going to start off with weaponization of public health. Uh, and there, I'm looking at a different deck, but we're going to go ahead and use the one you have, because that's the one you got. So next slide, please, sir. And these are the big four. So uh, bear in mind that this deck series is a, is basically uh, was pre- presented to uh, legislators in Texas, Idaho, and Alaska based upon what we were seeing in my experiences with dealing with governor Abbott's uh, task force on COVID as I was assigned to it because of a guard bomb looking for a job. And they said, we got you a job. And I said, what's that? Like You're going to be the liaison to governor Abbott's office during a COVID response. Well, I just got back from a, a Saudi mission in Africa. So we were, you know, uh, really kind of off the grid. Didn't really know what was going on in the world other than there was this virus. Um, and of course, when I walked into the office in the uh, governor's office, there it was. Uh, it's going to be worse than Ebola. People are just going to die. Matter of fact, the um, Imperial College of London model shows that uh, in Texas alone, by the end of the year, we should have 10 million deaths. I mean, it was ridiculous. And uh, of course, I'm doing good recon. You know, I'm I'm talking to ER doctors around the country and and you know the some of the bigger cities too. People that I knew that I went through residency with. And they're saying, well, I mean, there's not that many sick ones coming in. You know, we're not overwhelmed. No. I mean, now they seem to die a lot when they go to the ICU, but uh, no, nothing through the ERs. Anyway, I would brief that to the, to the uh, in Texas, it's called DISHES, which is Department of State Health Services, which is the state version of HS, uh, HHS, Health and Human Services. And you're going to see the big tie-ins here once we get through this. And you're going to go, aha, this is what happened to you, Doc. Got it. So when I'm working in the state operations center during COVID response for the state of Texas, um, I'm watching everything that's happening and I am kind of shocked that it requires, um, you know, this much money to, to kick this thing off coming from the care act money and coming from, uh, from the DOD side of the house, because it was a really heavy play on the DOD side, not knowing then what I know now. And so it was a, uh, you know, we, we were not in the lead on it, uh, on the response, but in the state of Texas, typically it's the Texas Department of Emergency Management, hurricanes, et cetera. Well, now you've got a, um, a health agency running an, a, an emergency response. And uh, they're not really trained for that, uh, to work in the macro in that scale. And uh, it came through as very weak leadership, et cetera. But from my standpoint as a doc, me, me dealing with their docs and nurses Anytime I said the word hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, got shot down. I mean, literally shot down. Don't even say those words. Trump said that. That's crazy. Crazy talk. Okay, Roger that. So these are the big four. These, this is where, when I went back and I created this little thirty-minute brief for some people, this is where it started. This is where I, I kind of woke up and went, whoa. Okay, this is. So if you if any of y'all have listened to um, Sasha Latipova and Catherine Watt. They they did a deep dive with about a hundred researchers and took this thing and put it on steroids. Like theirs is so in depth and so uh it goes so far back, but it it lines out in detail. So I would suggest you look at some of their sub stacks if you're interested in how the weaponization took place and the codification of law by our legislators who were involved in all this crazy stuff, to include the NDAAs of which I was fighting for the last one, uh, which was uh good in some ways, stop the mandate bad. We didn't get uh Everybody reinstated and all the flags pulled. And when I say flags for the military, those that are listening, they're probably not. That just means your orders were held, you weren't promoted, et cetera. All right. So the bottom line up front is uh, these these four big ticket items are really what changed the whole thing for us. And look at number one there, the Turning Point Act, which is also called the Model State Act. It, it's in 2003. That's around the time of George Bush. Okay. So we we don't we have all kinds of uh, uh, some people call it uniparty, whatever. We have both parties that are in, adding to this weaponization and the usurping of uh, constitutional law and common law. Then we go to uh, 42 CFR Code of Federal Regulations, 71, 70, 71 and 71 Foxtrot 2016. All right, And I'm going to explain a little bit about each of these. I don't want to get bogged down because I'm going to share the, the floor with our, our other brothers. Uh, then we go into the NDAAs and each of those National Defense Authorization Act's. In the seven or eight hundred uh, ticket items that are in each one of those, if you if you comb through them like Todd Calendar did to find them for me, uh, you see where um, the Defense Health Agency uh, has take has pulled in under it the HHS of the federal federal side. So Health and Human Services is now under a pandemic, state of emergency. DHS is in the lead. That is the DoD. Well, kind of you kind of goes around the. Uh, gets around the uh, posi comitatus stuff when you're considering that these are actually in my book, bioweapons. All right, now we go to number four there, and that's the WHO pandemic treaty. We've been hearing about this. Realize that the the, the word treaty, in the actual write-up of it, is a WHO pandemic agreement. And so it is not a treaty, um, but they like to write that in the news. That's the gameplay. That's the word play there. It's not a treaty, because a treaty is, you know, uh, I don't agree with this, but they say treaties, uh, are, are are above constitutional law, um, but uh, this is an agreement, okay, and that's for the next pandemic of interest, P-H-E-I-C. All right, so the next one could be Marburg, I don't know, we've talked about monkeypox, avian flu, all these other things, um, could be uh, some sort of hemorrhagic flu, and you'll know this when we go back to look at the next, the next slide, which is uh, right here, and uh, this slide is important, okay, this is the timeline. And this is how, uh, yeah, okay, this I don't know if you can see that. I can't see it on my phone, but I've got it pulled up on my computer. So I'm going to kick it off. These are two different uh, timelines from 1999 all the way through 2023. Real quick, though, we got to go off the timeline. Prior to this, left of bang, uh, at 1976, Henry Kissinger comes out and said, in a, in a uh, classified document, says only 500 million people uh, the world can handle. And so that gets rolled over to the cairo accords that comes in around 1994 cairo accords they decide that yep kissinger was right we can only handle 500 million people well 190 countries signed off on those accords therefore it became the uh you know the goal i guess the goal of the world economics and all that so now as we come along that's that Top's scale there, 2003. This is where I want to focus on right now. George Washington Bush timeframe. GW. Uh, he he had an XOR that was really kind of the thing that that ended up doing this. The Turning Point Act. What it was is the Model State Act as well. It's known by. It was a. Um, it was done so that we could have, we not we Johns Hopkins could evaluate all the states and see they see where they were. Okay, check this out. Where they were in responsibility to bioterrorism or outbreaks of disease, that the CDC and others wanted the states to pass into law. Okay, so they wanted the states to do this because back then, remember, states had more states' rights, I believe, and now it's the other way around. And now, you know, the feds are pretty much uh, just doing everything by exord. And so, you know, we complain about exords now, but all the presidents have been doing them, and they seem to be increasing. Thirteen two nine or five—that's the one that. uh, Basically told, uh, basically that exord said, George Bush Jr., uh, these diseases right here, and he lists them out. And I'm not going to la- name them all, but I'm just going to say they all come along the lines of SARS-CoV-1 and hemorrhagic flu, monkeypox, and Marburg. All right, so those are all similar. Monkeypox a little different, but Marburg, definitely a hemorrhagic type thing that only has, I think, since the 1967 Maybe, maybe, uh, see, 90, 90-something deaths, maybe 500 overall since before 90, uh, sixty-seven. not that many to consider that there are vaccines out there for that now and that the U.S. government has bought a plethora of those vaccines, just like they did with SARS-CoV-2. Now, that comes along. In that exhort, it says basically that the United States can... Uh, based upon the findings of the uh, turning point act can quarantine people against their will. Okay. <laughs> they can go as far as that. They can. Uh, and, and we got to pay attention to the, always pay attention to the verbiage and, and who's in charge. And this is, this is the concern. So as we come along that line there, and we look at that yellow arrow that says 70 COVID-19 related pat t- patents created, they go back, even before 2007, other related PCR tests, things like that. Some of the stuff that David Martin's talking about. Now we get into 2013 and the Defense Health Agency is created. Well, why was that created? Well, that was created because the, the DOD wanted to look at all these other partner agencies as customers. And so they created the Defense Health Agency to and then in order shortly thereafter at uh, 2018, Develop a memorandum of agreement with the DOD, Defense Health Agency, in 2018, right before COVID is a thing, and say that if there is a pandemic, we will fall underneath the Defense Health Agency. Understand that Warp Speed was a DOD-run operation. Countermeasures were created by the DOD. That is, you know, now they were were, um, civilian clinics and and not clinics, laboratories. Um, Whether it's Wuhan or not, that doesn't really matter. They were involved in it it was either Wuhan, NC Chapel Hill, whatever comes out in the wash later on, we'll figure it out. But this is, this is a huge concern. Because as then we roll into the next year, 2019, on that CFR, the one that 2016, that really had a, a, a small role to play in the, uh, in the uh, mandates and, and how the DOD was going to take the lead. But truly the NDAAs are what what authorized because remember that that's a tool of for authorizations and so that authorization act authorized the dod to do that the uh 2021 22 and 23 finished the deal nail in the coffin uh, because it gave the dod powers despite the posicomitat taught act gave the, gave the DoD powers to enforce quarantines this is what's been happening in australia i always use that as a temperature gaze look at what's going on in australia we're about two years, maybe a year behind what's happening down there. Uh, same with New Zealand. Um, I talked to some people in the UK. They're just probably about a year ahead of us in, in as far as uh, as the tyranny goes, and that's just my perception. So I'm going to get to the end here, and then we'll uh, we'll be able to get uh, a couple questions or, or see what uh, Steve wants to do. But uh, what I want to really focus on now is uh, if you go to the next slide, uh, this is just kind of bring it out. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. So we have maybe two slides. We'll see. That's a different one that I gave to Alaska. Okay. That's the turning point act. And you guys can have all this and read the details if you want. It's basically what I'm t- telling you about. Keep going. I'll get you to the next slide. Next slide. Cause this is, this one's, uh, Oh, here's a fun one. These are the quarantine centers. Uh, this is something important to talk about. That's 2009. Um, there were 16, I believe, uh, around that time, Uh, at 2016, I believe we might've had 19 understand this. I, I, I spoke to the contractor for the next 10 quarantine camps that were being built time now, completion date, September. Now I'm not, you know, I'm not scared of nothing really anymore, but, uh, when I, when I see that happening, that's a crystal ball. That's a, that's a, uh, you know, most dangerous course of action kind of thing. So I get, I get a little bit hanked up and, and wonder why is the completion date September? Um, so we, if, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, intelligence preparation, of the battlefield type of stuff, uh, you need to think about wh- what that possibly looks like. Next slide. So uh, keep going. These are the X-Words. These, these are the things I talked about. So, you know, I'm kind of, kind of keeping it short here just so we can have more time for uh, other partners. Next slide. Let's see if we can get us there. Okay. So this is a creation of the 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 partnership between the DoD and the DHA. This is where it happens in these ndaa's because their mission, as they stated there themselves, is to create this um, this um, partnership it's called a global health engagement partnership, the whole government approach. So when the DoD takes the lead, the the Consumers or the customers are the DO, Department of State, HHS, Department of Agriculture, USAID, a.k.a. the Christians in Action, NGOs, academia, and the private sector, to include Pfizer, Moderna, BioNTech, and Unisant. Unisant is an interesting company. Go to the next slide, please. Unisant was was told, now you look at them, it's circled in red down there, was told to be the third-party um Contractor to run the DMED data to to manage it. Um, it was to be used as a red flag, a, a sentinel event type tool to us people on the ra- downrange, or for me on the Texas border. So let's say we roll out the shots, and all of a sudden you got an 1,100 percent increase in neurologic damage is what what we saw. Uh, well, they they should tell us. Well, it didn't come to us that way. Teresa Long got a hold of me and said, "Have you seen this?" I said, "No, I'm too busy looking at cartel people 400 meters away." She said, well, get on it. And I did. Went, Well, no wonder I've seen so many you know, young soldiers have, quote unquote, heat casualties down here. They weren't even they were in their hotel rooms at night, not not waking up. So, you know, the DOD never allowed us to do any autopsies and I never could get any proof as to what that was. But the money that was spent in the tens of probably hundreds of millions, I don't know the exact amount uh, to me represented taxpayers paying for an OPSEC breach brief. breach. What do you mean by that? Operational security. That information in that DMED data shows how many people have been wounded by something, how many people have been damaged by something, what our numbers are. If that information is given to Pfizer, Moderna, and BioNTech, some companies that have foreign entity uh, um, you know, combinations of, of their leadership, uh, that information is not something I want running around out there. Sen- Senator Johnson didn't either. He asked them to answer for it. They pointed back to the DoD. DoD answered in a form of a, uh, a Politico article and just said, "Yeah, you know, basically stick it, Senator." So that's where we're at with that. So next slide. You see the the you know when you're when you're dealing with something like this where there is no no oversight, uh, there is a problem because it's dark money. So next slide. I'll try to get these are just uh, supporting documents. Okay, so that gets me to the end here. There was a couple other things I just wanted to say real quick just to make sure. All right, so this is, this is important. Follow me if you want to live, right? This is a time-sensitive target environment. Good plan executed rapidly is better than a perfect plan. that's still being refined while the enemy is overrunning our foxholes. We've got to get, like, we've, I have been, I have been at just about every senator's floor, uh, door up there, um, their staffers. Um, and y'all have to, a lot of you guys are doing the same thing in different lines of effort. Um, we're, we're going to have to just, you know, peaceful noncompliance uh, until we can't be peaceful. I mean, that's my own personal opinion. Um, that that's where I'm at with it. So this is important stuff because if this next one comes around and they say we can quarantine you and these camps are built by September, um, you know, it, it's just going to be, you know, the, uh, New on the uh, you know, my former unit's uh, motto is, "We defy." I mean, I'm not, I'm not going there. So, uh, Steve, I'll turn it back over to you,
2: sir.
1: Yeah, I think so. You and I are on the same page. It's peaceful resistance until we can't. And it, it, unfortunately, I think this is only going to end one way now because we're so far down the we're, f- we're so far down the. The, the compromise drum that you can't look at any agency and not see it's compromised with some kind of a malice or a communist at the helm, uh, especially DHS. And I think it's interesting that, that when you show the lay down of the camps, where those camps were located, yeah. that it's interesting that we, uh, we talk about it, but I think there's more camps than that. Cause I know there's a camp here in Arizona. Let me bring that slide back up real quick.
0: Yeah, And I believe in that time frame that there were more put in that I just didn't have a slide on but uh, I know for a fact that you know there's 10 more being built and that's like almost doubling it you know
1: Yeah I know, lot- I know I I know there's more camps than that because I've, I've yeah. flown over um, camps in New Mexico and in Arizona there you and go. I circled over one in Eastern 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 Arizona Western New Mexico. I wasn't exactly mm-hmm. sure where it was on the map. But you, can, you circle over and you can see that, first of all, there's, there's one road in and out. It's literally a concentration camp. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around it for miles. Yeah. So I, I have no doubt that they're planning for the next, the next um, contingency because it's, it's pandemic or other health crises to be determined. Basically, they okay. decide what a health crisis is. And the danger in that, as you said, is when you start going around posse comitatus, for those of you who don't know what that is, posse comitatus is a limitation that was put in place so that the military could not be used in law enforcement situations unless there's civil unrest and the, the president declares either the Insurrection Act or there's a couple other pieces of it on executive orders that he can use to declare a national emergency martial law. Typically presidents have, have stayed well clear of those executive orders for a very specific reason. And that is that it almost undoubtedly will incite civil war. That's and right. they have they have set up, set conditions in the military, especially as a maneuver commander, you set conditions on the battlefield so that you can push the enemy or take the initiative away from the enemy and seize control of your area of responsibility. Essentially what you're doing is you're setting conditions so the enemy can't fight back and take out any of your standoff weapons, any of your direct fire weapons, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They have set conditions with these IGAs. And if you don't know what an inter- the IGA is, it's an intergovern- intergovernmental agreement that was signed with the CDC directly from the counties. Right off the bat, it's unconstitutional because it violates the state constitution, and it violates the directives that the governor can issue as well as the Senate and the House in each state. However, comma, because of some of the legislation that was pushed through way back in 2003, like you just talked about one piece of legislation, there's there's several pieces of legislation just in Arizona that were pushed through that give health and human services basically clear, arching domain if there's a health emergency, which is how they've been able to usurp the constitutions and no judge has ruled against it. And here's the other piece of this. They always tie federal money to each one of these agreements. So they're basically soaking each one of these counties with with federal money. And why this is important is two reasons. Number one, in order for a county or even a school district for that member, for that matter, to, to get any more money added to their budget, they have to have a special levy. And that special levy has to be approved by the voters to increase their taxation to pay for whatever that is that they're trying to fund. Typically, that's how counties have operated. COVID comes around. They flood all these counties with money, and they say, if you sign this agreement, we're probably not going to enact it. But if you sign this agreement, it'll give us the flexibility to respond. And, oh, by the way, here's $3 billion. Boom. Exactly.
0: Yeah. That's – you know, I I would throw something in, Steve, right now because it's a perfect time for it. Today, I got off the phone with the uh, city – no, the county commissioners from Collier County, Florida. They turned that money back in. They said we're not taking it, right? And so they want me to come down there and speak because they're going to try to create some, uh, actually, um, uh, city codes or county codes to make it legal, uh, make it illegal to take money from the CDC, and they want to push that throughout other counties around the, the country. So they're they're people are catching on to it. What I, what I, what I wanted to say.
1: Well, here in Arizona, the problem is, and you probably have some of the same problems in Texas,
0: uh-huh.
3: is
1: that the cartels have essentially oh. co-opted everybody in in you know the southern counties even up to maricopa in the governor's office uh-huh. so they've i know pima county signed this i know yavapai county has signed this i know um there's two others uh i want to say uh pinal county i can't think of the other one besides maricopa and cochise anyway it'll come to me but they're working their way through the state again and this tells me that they're prepping and setting conditions for the next pandemic, which Bill Gates has already run event 501 now, which, and I've heard various, various, you know, scenarios whether it's Malberg, whether it's Marburg, Malberg, you, you know, better yeah. doc than I do, yeah. but there's very, there's several scenarios. They talk about of which virus is going to be released. And they talk about, and I've heard two things. I heard two this morning. One is artificial release, which I don't know what the hell that means. And then there's, Natural release, so maybe I'll, you can talk I'll, I'll to one of those that. two.
4: I'll
0: explain that. So here's the, here's the deal: 5G networks. I know everybody's like, "Oh gosh, here we go with the tin hats." No, seriously, 5G. I'm a directed energy energy weapon guy. I'm not an expert on it, but it's in my armamentarium materium. So, uh, and I've been hit by one, and I've used them. So here's the deal with 5G or directed energy weapons: it can mimic the same physiologic responses, depending on which frequency you use, whether you pulse it or not. And at at what uh, amplitude that you use. So if you mix those three together and then you already have graphene or you have some other sort of metallic uh, substance in your bloodstream that acts as an antenna, but without it, the people in Canberra, Australia can tell you about it when a million people were standing uh, protesting the government in Canberra, Australia and uh, got zapped by a 5G tower. Um, this this is a real thing. This this technology has been around since the 50s. You can ask the Hutus and the Tutsis what happened in 96 under Operation Crimson Mist when a directed energy weapon caused them to lose their minds and hack each other to death. So these are real things. These these can be done. So I can mimic those same things. And that's, that is a release in that. And this is happening in Great Britain. I spoke to a member of parliament uh, not too long ago. I'll give his name. He's an honest guy. Uh, Andrew Bridgen, he's the... Um, Uh, He was censured and he lost his whip position. Uh, He's kind of the Ron Johnson of Great Britain. And he called me because I got a 5G paper on my uh, website, on my lines of effort. And he said, what do you know about this? Can you talk to my 5G guys? Absolutely. So people are waking up to it, but that's the artificial release. That's what it does because I can can take your red blood cells and stack them up on top of each other like a Rouleau formation, it's called. And then you don't transfer oxygen. You can literally fall over and die, right? Because you just don't transfer oxygen. So there are things that I can do with a 5G or with a direct and energy weapon that are invisible. And why were most of the 5G towers put up during the COVID response, right, during that time when everybody was quarantined? Because you didn't notice it. Now look around. Every school's got one right next to it. What's one of the other side effects? It sterilizes children. So if you're looking at decreasing numbers in the world, it makes sense. Now, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. We can just say that I can create the same symptoms, and that answers that question. And then the other releases, you know, you're just releasing it like a lab release.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I think the interesting part of – you're right. They built all the infrastructure during COVID. That's what all the flood of money to the states was about. And you've seen them build – so there was three – they were working on three or four different things all at the same time, right? So they were building the infrastructure for the social scoring system. They were building the 5G infrastructure for their next round of attacks. They were also building out – the infrastructure for the monitoring and social distancing, and and the ultimately the QR codes that are a real thing now in Sri Lanka, in India, and I want to say there's another country um, that's that's rolled those. Ukraine's already rolled them out too. That, right. That's ultimately where they want to go to. The interesting thing, though, so that I think there's two monkey wrenches in this situation. So. Mm-hmm. The, all the controversy right now about SVB and the, the Silicon Valley Bank collapsing, Signature Bank, that was a planned event. That's a land grab by the federal mm-hmm. government. But what's interesting about it is you're seeing the Federal Reserve underwrite all of these, these loans. And ultimately, I think that's going to affect their plan because I don't think they were planning on having to absorb all of these losses mm-hmm. at the same time trying to do away with Q, QE. Uh, at the same time, they were trying to raise rates. So I think we're going to see a shift. As may, may, It won't be a shift in timeline, but it'll be a shift in the way that they roll this out and the way they do their um, their next round of attacks. But I, I do think that it's coming this year or early next year. I, they're not going to wait until 25. This will be going by – and I've heard – and maybe, Pete, you can tell me if you've heard this too, but I've heard from several people – that there's dissension among some of the senior players, not just in the New York banking industry, but also in the federal government and certain agencies that that don't want to go along with um, another uh, mass event, uh, simply because the, the events on the ground in Ukraine, the events on the ground and what's going on in Australia right now. Cause if, yeah. And then there's also I've, I've, I'm seeing things about I've seen this for a while, but I didn't really give them credence until today. That the situation on the ground in Israel that they're close to uh, some kind of a uh, civil war. I think all yeah. those things are going to affect their timeline. But yeah, the I question yeah the question I really want to ask you though, since you're the expert, is what can people do? Because I know this crowd's going to ask you this. What can people do to prepare? What should they have on hand to prepare for the next go round of this? I mean, besides ammo and food and water. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. You, okay, so yeah, you know, we we got those off the list. Those are our our staples, our staple diets, right? I mean, I eat five, five, six, you know, every night. Um, but honestly, uh, you know, you you want to have a stockpile of um of medications, basic medications. And I'm not going to talk about you know wounds and things like that and all the the survival stuff I'm not going to talk about prepping here what I'm talking about is for the next thing and the next thing is and, and you know I can't give medical advice here but look this is this is just a fact chlorine dioxide solution is an amazing thing it it kills all of that stuff okay it, it does I've seen it I've been in Africa and treated people with malaria with chlorine dioxide solution you could buy it right and it, and, it, and taking a little bit each day uh, you know that it says it's not for ingestion well it's it's not you're not drinking chlorine okay so somebody wants to come after me for saying that well they went after trump for saying it so what um that's that's something that you want to consider uh you you can also use it to clean things with you know as well i mean it's just a a good all-around solution um ivermectin keep that on hand hydroxychloroquine keep that on hand because that also can fight these things as well um then you want to have uh one of the good uh not oxidative you know anything that's uh Good antioxidant is is always good to have. You can overly antioxidize yourself. So you gotta be careful with that. Use, you know, right kind of doses. Don't just double it because you think it's gonna be better. Um, But uh, honestly, you wanna think chelation too. So chelation is something like, uh, if you're hit by a dirty bomb, you hear about a dirty bomb, well, that's gonna be a uh, cesium-127 kind of thing. Even if it is or it isn't, the chelation is not gonna hurt you because it's activated charcoal. You don't have to get the powder kind that's gonna make your teeth all black. You just go buy the the tablets activated charcoal. You can get them anywhere, and uh, just take one of those a day, and it will kind of keep you chelated for many of those uh, heavy metal type things. And then uh, one last thing, I was thinking about it. Uh, there's this humic fulvic fulvin fovic, humic humic fulvic. I always say that wrong. Um, it's actually from a peat moss, which is like grown above the Arctic Circle. But they do bring it. They do. They do create it. You can buy it. Uh, and it's, uh, you just look it up, H-U-M-I-C-F-U-L-V-I-C, and you can get tablets of that, and that's also a good chelator. Um, so those those things, and they're they're very uh, inert, but they are extremely, they do extremely well with chelating heavy metals in your body, and that's the thing that you want to think about, because you don't want to be an antenna, you don't want to be a conduit for this thing to increase or potentiate anything in you already if you have taken the shots, but you also don't want to get these symptoms, and then be the one that they go okay you you're next down going down to the uh, to the gulag.
1: I think they're going to do it anyway. I think they're going to already gonna have a list anyway. of people they want to quarantine but uh, yeah. the stuff that you're talking about I'll put into the both well, the channel I'll put it on yeah. true social and we'll we'll make a list for everybody so it this you don't have to sit and write this it. down. Yeah. On the back side so, I'll
0: help you with it and we can
1: get it out there. Yeah. Appreciate that. So, That's I perfect. want to open it up to questions. If you have questions, um, raise your hand, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll let you ask the the good doc here some questions. I know I have one here. Let me. Crazy night, love the name. Okay, just hit the talk button, and you can ask your question.
2: Hey, Doc, I have a question. Uh, I'm on the East Coast in South Carolina, and I tried to get council and party to listen to things like this. Uh, two years ago, and uh, they were just dead silent. Then, um, do you think there is a verbal approach that I can take now that is different, or some kind of documentation to show them to where it's legitimate, to where they will recognize it in a formal manner?
0: Boom! Great question. Okay, so uh, I find that with any of this stuff, uh, if I go out there and give too much information, it's overwhelming, and they're going to think you you know you got a tin hat on, right? But Everything that I said, even though it may seem a bit out there, it's not at all. Matter of fact, I have, I've held back. Um, but I'm going to say this. There, there is a website that I have. Um, it's, you know, I don't make any money on this thing. This is all just a labor of love, you know, because I still believe in the Constitution and the oath that I gave to protect it. So go to Dr. Pete Chambers. It's D-R-P-E-T-E Chambers dot com. Go to the lines of effort page. So Pete. Chambers all together and then .com, and go to the lines of effort page. You can download the different things. I talk about 5g. I talk about, uh, weaponization, public health. I talk about uh, some of these other things. I keep adding to it as more and more things I've, I'm involved in. Um, and then, uh, there's references there. So when you go in there, I, most of them I have linked out, you can just, you know, press on the link, but if it doesn't work, just cut it, paste it, put it in and follow it and you'll have the documentation to, uh, to do do the homework for you. For oh, thank you. Yes,
1: sir. Any other questions for the good doc? I know that. Uh, thanks for the ad. My thanks to my admins for letting. Uh, I'll open. Hey, it this up. So great great I have talks. a question.
5: I eat a lot of cilantro. Is cilantro a, an adequate uh, chelation agent, or should we use something stronger?
0: Okay, so it's uh, it's. On a scale of one to 10, I'm going to put it in the category between two and three, maybe five, depending on how strong you get. Um, So, these other things would probably help. The easiest thing to find is the uh, activated charcoal uh, to help you chelate. And it's the easiest thing to, it doesn't really, it doesn't mess with your digestion. Um, There are some probiotic things you can do as well. Um, there, There are places where you can just get a good probiotic and that will help your gut then absorb things appropriately. But as far as the chelation goes, that's, uh, um, yeah, that's a mid, mid to lower range, um, you know, efficacy on that, on the cilantro. Yeah. But it is, it's definitely there. You know, another one you can use is, uh, is apple or citrus, uh, pectin P E C T I N. And that's another chelator and literally a citrus pectin basically is taking the white stuff off the inside of the, uh, the peels and just scooping that out. You don't have to eat the outside of the peeling and just, uh, you eat that's the pectin part and so you can eat that or the apple pectin which is a thinner layer but still both of those work as a chelator as well and those are natural and you know you get have the fruit as well
5: thank you and and thank you for uh, correcting my pr- pronunciation because right, i've been sure. calling chelation for 30 years
0: <laughs> that's okay I, I still call it skizzers so i can remember how to spell it so you're good <laughs>
1: Any other questions out there for the doc? We, yeah, by the, the way, we we lost um, uh, Major Sigalov. By the way, so uh, we'll have to pick it up with him another time. And, right. and and Pete, we can can we get you back for another live chat? What before I open this I up question, for questions? Real
0: quick. Yeah, oh yeah, we'll definitely do another one anytime you want, brother.
1: Awesome. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted. Uh, I don't know who was asking that question.
6: Uh, good evening, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Murray and Chambers. Uh, standing salute to both of you. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. Um, I run an all vets chat here on Telegram. Um, Doc, one of the uh, people that come to my chat, you know, 4517. Oh, yeah. Had a video. Yeah.
7: <laughs> anyway, awesome.
6: yeah. Uh, finally, good to speak
0: to you. Um, I'm honored. First off. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, same. You guys are worth it. You're worth it
6: uh he's worth it 45 is a good dude he
0: uh
6: (laughs) he's our comms guy so yeah um yeah very technical so two-part question for both of you um number one most important uh really we have to get downrange is comms second part of that question if i had a battalion staring at a whiteboard would civvies Uh be in the writing
0: Ooh, I'll let you answer that one, Steve. I don't.
1: I didn't get the last part. What was the last part about civvies?
0: Uh,
6: if a battalion was sitting, uh, looking at a whiteboard, would civvies be a part of the writing?
1: Oh, with cities. Sorry. You, uh...
6: No, no, civvies, civilians. Or... Civis. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah.
1: The bandwidth sucks tonight. So bear with. Wa- if I ask you several times, it's because you're coming across to my end, Shopee. So, so I think there's, um, we, Troop and I were just talking comms this week. Um, we're just now getting to it. I think, so there's several things that I would say for comps, right? So if I, if, so I I'll tell you what I have. So I've got some PRC one fifty two. I have Harris PRC one fifty twos. There's a host of other knockoffs out there, right? But those are tactical radios. There's and, and troops trust me, Troops got this down to a science. So if you if you watch his channel and all of the videos he's been putting out about comms, he talks through VHF, UHF, um, and HF radios and what you know which environments they're good for. Right, the problem you're going to have with tactical comms in a city in an urban area is you're going to have lots of interference because um, there's a number of different um, competing signals within a city. Right, so um, we we have the luxury of wide open spaces here, but when you get into an urban area, you get all kinds of clutter, not just in the uh, you know signal propagation, but in um, repeaters, etc. So You want to keep shortwave comms, and then you want to have long-haul comms. And Troop, you could probably answer this better than I can. I'm I'm probably not doing this any justice. But the other part of that is you're going to be talking on nets that are probably going to be saturated with other people. So you have to be mindful of that, and you have to have some very clear lines of communication, meaning good call signs, good, good nomenclature on the radio that everybody understands. You don't need to, like, create your own code system because it's kind of dumb. But you need to know who you're talking to and you need to have a good two way, right? It's not like Singers when you get on Singers and you can, you, you say your call sign, you know, the net's um, pretty well secure. At least, you know, you know, somebody's listening, but you know, whoever's on that net needs to be on that net. It's not going to be that way when you get on GMRS, which is shortwave, or you get on uh, VHF with repeaters. Could be anybody responding to you. So you want to have, um, everybody in your group understand what your call signs are going to be and how you're going to use them. And then which nomenclature you're going to use to identify certain uh, assembly areas, certain bug out locations, etc. You're going to want to have specific comms around each one of those. Meaning what I'm driving towards is you're going to want to have some kind of a pocket guide that says, these are the comms we're going to use if X happens. These are the comms we're going to use if Y happens. These are the comms we're going to use if we bug out. This is going to be you know the assemble area if no comms are available. Does that make sense?
6: Yes, sir. Completely. Thank you, sir.
1: I mean, you're the the key thing here. And and again, troop, you can chime in anytime you want. The key thing here is it's you're going to have to be very creative about how you decide to communicate with your group uh, because there's going to be a, a, a myriad of people. That are going to be using those shortwave um, GMRS radios that are—I can't think of it, the little Motorola radios in your local area. Though they're going to step all over each other, having you know a few people. Let me that uh, know- jump
5: in there for a second. So the most important thing with comms is getting the VHF and UHF. We recognize that most people are not amateur radio operators. Most people are going to have FRS and GMRS radios. And then we're going to have a lot of people that want to illegally transmit on amateur radio frequencies, not recognizing that trained operators are using those to establish networks for establishing communication with different groups, uh, for doing medical evac and other stuff. So what we're working on in the Trooper Channel is just establishing good operating practice for people who are in your neighborhood, your cul-de-sac, your trailer park. You need to get the people that are across the street from you and the people that can directly help you secure your area in a method that's disciplined enough that you can communicate with each other and not interfere with your other neighbors or zip codes. That's that's the key factor. And then as you evolve that, you're going to have amateur radio operators that are able to use NVIS, which is a, like a close skip propagation where we could talk from Phoenix to Prescott or Phoenix to Yuma. That higher level order of communications, we're also evolving but you need to have that local level of communications established first, and that's very simple to do, and there's a lot of uh, misinformation about that people think they need to t- you know get the best radio at the highest power with the biggest antenna and that's the opposite of what you need to do because not only are you interfering with other neighborhoods or groups around you that are trying to do close communications but you're also increasing your radio signature and if you don't want to be surveilled or you don't want to be detected or you don't want to be interfered with you don't want to be putting a big signal out there that can be triangulated on but the primary focus of the near Communications is to coordinate with your neighbors and establish who's who, you know who's who in the zoo in your neighborhood. And then, as we establish that that hierarchy, and we're able to coordinate with other groups, where the the whole thing with the state level communications and and doing things like a HF skip from Phoenix to Yuma is to have people have the ability to observe, identify a threat, observe, give good accurate information. We call it salute in the military size activity unit location, but basically being able to observe your area, and if you identify something that, that just isn't right or you're not sure about, you want to communicate that up the chain. So there will be other operators that have more sophisticated radio capability, and we'll be communicating with each other. Our focus is to first stay out of the conflict space. That's the very first thing I always say in all my videos is you want to be self-reliant and stay out of the conflict space. The government doesn't care about you and your AR-15. You're not a threat if you have an AR-15. They want you to shoot at them so that they can eliminate you. The government fears people who are self-reliant, self-directed, self-organized, and self-capable. So you want to use those small FRS and GMRS radios to establish your, your local groups and harden the area that you that you live in, and then we'll evolve that network communication uh, fabric as, as we as we go
0: forward, and we're working on that now. Roger that. Yeah, that's fascinating, Trooper. Uh, good, good roll up. I'm going to give everybody uh, just a quick forty thousand foot view. This is Doc again. Um, you know, my background also is a Green Beret officer, and and I've I've done the unconventional warfare thing for reals. And when you're in an immature environment, which is technically what you're going to step into if things do go awry, is you don't want to be that guy that's out there getting triangulated on. You know, and exactly what Trooper is saying. You don't want to be that one that's out there you got to you know take care of your your inner perimeter security and then your outer perimeter security and remember this if you just take the mindset of uh, of what the insurgents did to us we always used to say we have the watches they have the time which means you've got time on your side if you've done any preparation you've got time on your side slow down take your pulse breathe you know, shore up your, your position, whatever it is, you know, take care of your family, make sure everybody's good. You got food, water, all those things are, are rocking. And then you start developing that inner and outer ring of security as you've already established, which is, you know, what we call a pace plan. You've got primary alternate contingency emergency, but but don't complicate it and don't don't get ahead of your headlights. Because uh, if you do in an immature environment, a lot of mistakes can be made and uh, you'll, you'll end up actually... More detrimental than if you had, you know, stayed back and just exercised that. Uh, you know, you got the time uh, model.
1: Like I said, the troop could do this a lot better than I can. Thanks, thanks, Doc. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, there's, I could throw you could go a there. number of different directions talking just comms, right? There's, there's a number of different directions to go.
7: Steve, could I throw something in there real quick? Absolutely. Yeah, uh Massar and Jack Donna. Uh, my background was I was an IEW guy for probably like four decades. But uh regarding comms, trust your equipment. You test it out beforehand, you keep your batteries charged, whatever, but trust your equipment. And case in point is when the Berlin Wall fell, uh, I was at Devon's at the time, but we were getting all of these reports that from field stations, hey, you know, what's wrong with our equipment? People started. Tearing into boxes and ripping them open and troubleshooting in this. Well, the answer was simple. They were being jammed. So you might see that in an event like this where they jam all of these low-level radios because they don't want people organizing. So if you happen to go through all of your settings and all your channels and you hear nothing but white noise, you're probably being jammed. Trust your equipment.
6: Yeah, I mean I, I, I get all that as far as the comms goes, but I, I do appreciate the commentary. The the problem is dealing with civvies for one. Two, I don't have enough fets in my area to throw together a small tactical team. Everybody I know is kind of spread out right now. Um I, I do have uh, one Marine good friend of mine, he was EOD, but he's got heart issues. Um so my quarrels are with not only the comms on, on a on a short term basis a short stack basis but more of on a on a longer uh, broader basis um, being able to connect with the with the with the right you know team should I say for lack of a better word in another area just to find out what you know what what's going on um, you know because I mean
1: yeah. Well, I think we're all we, we so
5: Again, let, me, let me let me let me focus on taking care of your own neighborhood and making yourself a, uh, a self-contained, self-reliant group of individuals that you have direct communication with. And we're not going to ever have some kind of like national, fully evolved radio net where we're all ready to just execute on a on a pyramid hierarchy from, you know, from bottom to top. You're also not going out there. I mean anybody who thinks they're going to strap on their plate carrier and their AR-15 and go up against a man, you're going to be ant food in about 10 seconds. We don't, you know, our our mission is to stay out of the conflict space, but understand how to identify and how to coordinate around a threat environment. We don't know what that threat environment is yet, but we do know that those threat environments take beans, bullets and benzene to operate. If you're already in your home and you got your 55-gallon water jugs on the side of your house and you you have a minimal preparation of self-reliance so that you can you can become a very small um, inconsequential concern to any any kind of superior force that's operating in your environment, but you can communicate what that superior force is to others. The network that we're talking about is evolving the communication function, not the direct engagement function.
6: Overstood.
1: Yeah, because that's so. That's the fog of war, right? None of us know how this is going to develop and, and what it's going to look like. And, and trust me when I say this: I've probably had a hundred conversations about you know what I think and how I think things are going to develop. And I'm sure Colonel Chambers has as well. It's it's the nature of this business, right? Everybody wants to know what's coming. We the reality is we don't know what's coming. I I do know this: I know there's a lot of uh. Potential avenues of approach that they could use, which one they choose, how they choose it. I don't think that's going to be in their hands. I, I think what we're seeing right now, for lack of a better word, is them trying, is the enemy, for lack of a better word, trying to pivot to their next, their next contingency because everything they put in front of us has fallen, you know, fallen apart literally in front of them. And I think there's by summer, Ukraine will fall apart. I think it's 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 imminent now it's not it's not a potential it's absolutely imminent that Ukraine is going to fall the question is really around how and when and what's going to be the catalyst for that because that's going to drive a lot of other options uh, you know a lot of other situations at the same time that's going on the economy could collapse within the next few weeks hopefully it'll be after next week because you know, I'll have my family back in the States, which would be fantastic and and it is all about me, by the way. So hopefully that you know that is a few weeks, if not a few months off, but you never know which way the economy is going to go. And given the ineptitude of the folks that are actually running the Treasury and the Federal Reserve, it could go either way. I originally thought and still think that Europe will go first and then the US you know, if and when the economy collapses, it's, that's imminent too. Then there's the third piece of this. And the third piece of this is what is going to happen with the immigration, and the fentanyl piece of this, right? Because we've had this massive influx of people and there's more people in route right now to come across the borders. And what does that look like? Are they going to have saboteurs that go after critical infrastructure? Are they going to have disruption teams in the cities? Are they going to use the rural areas? They could go on a number of different avenues. So, the short answer on comms is, is, you know, troops, right, stay out of the conflict zone, let it develop, and then figure out what your what your options are going to be. But my, my advice, and, and I'm sure um, everybody will chime in on this, is have a good plan. One of the things that, uh, one of the plans that I have just with my, you know, with my kids, because they're not in this state, they're, they're in a different state, is we have specific locations that we'll bug out to if things get really, really bad. And we have certain rally points and timelines associated with that. And we've walked and driven the terrain. So we know exactly what that looks like from here to there. What obstacles are there? What cities are there? What what terrain is there? So my advice would be walk the terrain. If you're going to plan bug out locations, if you're going to plan a community um, community zones where you're protecting your community, walk the terrain. Walk it with everybody in your group so everybody knows what that looks like, where their role is, what, what the terrain looks like. And we used to do in the military, we used to do um, rock walks, right? You put battalion commanders next to each other on a floor, lay out the map, and everybody walk through what their concept of operations are. You do that for a very specific reason. So you eliminate fratricide, but more importantly, every unit commander, every battalion commander understands where his left and right units are going to be maneuvering and what their plan is. So if there is an issue you can get on the com- command net and start to deconflict and that is really important when you get in maneuvers in a maneuver space and you're trying to move from point A to point B. so I would say if you can if you have time to rehearse that time to, to go drive that terrain try and t- time to do those things do those now because that is the, the, this is the time to do that. I mean ho- hopefully that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, well said, Steve. That, uh, this is Doc again. So, yeah, and, and I'll, I'll only add really um, just one, one little, little thing from, from my standpoint is I work at a think tank. So where, where I'm in Central Texas here, I'm always in the know, on, and I have SMEs uh, on each subject out there doing their business and telling me what's going on. But we all work in this one particular model. And it's what we call the, the uh, ML COA to the MD COA, most likely course of action all the way a spectrum to the most dangerous course. And as a good boy scout knows, you got to be prepared for all. Now we, 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 pr- we train for the, the worst case scenario. We have our battle drills, so to speak. We know how we're going to react to each thing, but honestly, it, you, we, we just pray that it's going to be the most likely course. And I don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball. When's the next pandemic going to come up? I mean, i I sat in on a, a, a WHO meeting the other day on Zoom somebody gave me a name and I popped on there and listened to them and uh you know I, I made well, I, I got an invitation and I told them my name was Dr Seuss so they didn't they didn't pick it up so anyway Wilhelm Seuss so I I'm listening to this thing and they're talking about the uh uh what was it the Marburg in Africa and the you know the, the vaccines are already created of course they were they were created Actually in 2000, no their patent was for two in 2000 created ten years after. So w- when they're doing that, it, that's what I look at and go, okay well, it looks like it could possibly be that. but you know, back to my talk when when Bush came out and said these are the the pandemics that could cause quarantine, I just look at that list and I go and, and just about every one of them has been hit in the media over the past two years uh, talked about and I think that they test things just like a probing fire, they test and see. What are we getting what kind of bang for the buck are we getting on this and when i say they who's the they well it's it's the privateers you know trying to make money out of this thing the wef who's pushing their sick agenda and the ai nut jobs and then you know and then the legislators who are not necessarily pushing it but i don't think they're paying attention you know i i pray that they're not complicit in in treason but uh at this point right now i i still haven't seen the nuremberg committee being formed yet so uh I'm, I'm just not gonna not gonna hope for that right now but right now we gotta we go go with the facts and uh just just think about along that spectrum you know what and and you know pay attention to what what these guys are saying because a lot of these guys were you know i talked to master sergeant donna the other day and i was like are you like li- listening into our think tank because you're saying exactly what i'm saying so we we've been around for a while we see these things we look at patterns we analyze patterns and so we it stands out sometimes and so uh but yeah thanks guys for uh
1: for the information, this is a good good talk tonight. Uh, I
6: appreciate you answering uh, questions. Thank you very much.
1: And I, I would answer. I would ask. I'd add one more thing. Just, just a second, Jack, because I want to. If, if I don't, I'll forget this. One other thing to remember that, and Jack brought this up earlier, is the the electronic warfare side of the house. Right? They assume they're gonna they're gonna jam specific frequencies and specific bands, but also assume that they're going to flood social media and they're going to flood the news with just garbage to keep people confused. We've, we've already seen that in a couple of different instances. Look at East Palestine. Look at all the garbage that was pushed into the system around what was going on there. And people were completely disoriented and confused. And I mean completely. So, The other thing that I would have as a part of your plan is an information plan. How are you going to pass information? How are you going to share information? Where are you going to go for information? Or what are trusted sources that you have in your specific groups? Because you can't rely on the news. You can't rely on the local news. And you definitely can't rely on social media. And assume it's down. What are you going to use for sources of information? And have that as a part of your plan. Sorry, Jack, go ahead.
7: Inject a bit of levity. We don't, we don't have any spies in in your think tank, uh, Doc Chambers, but we just, we got a great, (laughs) we got got a great group of guys. You know, we got Trooper, we got Colonel Murray, we got my brother, you know, my brother's a cybercom master cybercom officer, we just got a bunch of good people. And, uh, you know, that's why we're, why we're here, you know, and, uh, we're, we're very appreciative that, uh, to have you we really are hey man one team one
0: fight you know steve said earlier it's, it's facts
1: cool any other questions while we got uh, colonel chambers
3: yeah real quick hey pete i appreciate you and your time tonight and steve for the forum uh ultimately pete i first was introduced to you when you went out to boise idaho my old stomping ground i'm currently in virginia um, but with you and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Long, I it resonated on what you provided to legislatures out there. You mentioned that legislatures hasn't gained a lot of traction. But my question to you is, did anything come out of that meeting with the Idaho legislatures uh- of gaining any traction? absolutely
0: yes absolutely i'll tell you in a second go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you
3: off no no go ahead Uh, i want to start there and i've got a couple more questions actually
0: yeah absolutely so idaho recently and i haven't followed uh, detailed but i got a text from one of the uh assistants out there to the legislator um they're actually going after criminal um actions for for some of this or they're looking at it so they're that's being formed in the body of legislation, which is which is a good thing, right? Because they're talking about criminal actions. So when when you see that, you know, we we planted that seed way back when, and, and I appreciate you know seeing you there. Yes, it was a good a good meeting, and I did the same thing in Alaska. They didn't have as much luck. Uh, they have a different uh, uh, you know different type of governor there. But uh, anyway, yeah, Idaho has turned out to be a, a really a big win, and I think it's going to go even further. So yeah, we did see something come of it.
3: That's great. And my next question is, and again, along a different topic, but regarding DMed, I am aware of looking in Palantir uh, database and the government contracts prior to 2019, and Moderna vaccine being one of those contracts. I don't know if you can speak on this forum, but ultimately, yeah. want to know: Are you aware of? The DoD contracts for vaccines prior to 2019 regarding COVID-19.
0: Negative. I, I'm not aware of the contracts themselves. I didn't. I didn't go down that rabbit hole with it. Um, no, so I wasn't at that level. There are some people that have. Um, there was some argument whether or not the data that we even got early on was correct. But here's the deal: I do know that every provider that I know that some of which did not want to be whistleblowers, but that are honest. Uh, they could, we could just see it empirically, right? We weren't getting the data coming from the DMED, even though when we looked at it, it was through the roof and we had the two days where where it shut down after Johnson said it on the, on the deal there, um, uh, on whatever, uh, C-SPAN and and on some of the other medias. So it went down and it was a glitch. But when, when I looked back at some of the, and, and really, I think, you know, the place to look for that specific answer would be to look at Catherine Watt, uh, her Substack and uh, Lot, Lotpova, uh Sasha, those two have done a, a great job of getting really, really deep in the weeds on every aspect of this to include um, patents and contracts. It's just I haven't had time to fish through all that.
3: Roger that. Uh, one statement and then one more question and I'll turn it over to everybody else. But uh, first off, appreciate everybody on this call. That is, uh, again has given their life to the oath. And uh, for those on this call that are in the civilian capacity that support all of us that have given that oath and hold it true. Uh, my last question though, for everybody on this call and mainly for those that are military members is, and this is to you, Pete, and you, Stephen, initially is, What confidence do you have in the DOD as we stand to date?
1: (laughs) Wow.
0: Yeah. Confidence. Um, My confidences have been built upon relationships um, since I came in as a young enlisted guy, but, you know, more so as an officer, especially in a smaller unit uh, where your reputation precedes you. And so my confidence are with individuals that I know that are still in um, my confidence as a whole at the, uh, you know, geo officer level. And some O sixes, I know that are great. Uh, they are fully capable, but uh, when you're, when you uh, either are too much of a coward to uh, disobey unlawful order, um, that's where I lose confidence. And I I've seen that over and over and over and it breaks my heart because some of these people who I do know, some of the legislators I knew, who I used to think I had, you know, 10, 20 of them that I trusted, I, I think I might have one now on the, on the legislator side now at the federal level. Uh, with my, you know, with the DOD in general, to be able to fight a war on two fronts, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know that that can happen right now. Not with the, not where, look, you can't mass produce excellence. You can't mass produce it. There's one of the soft imperatives. You can't mass produce soft troops. You can't mass produce excellence. And it takes a while to get to that level with you know master sergeant donna and sergeant you know it's hard steve uh you you can't you can't just mass produce these kind of people it it takes years to to hone this and to be people of that are men of honor to stand up for the constitution and to to truly you know walk the walk That that's that i've lost a lot of confidence there yeah that's my
1: answer yeah, I agree with that. I I want to add a different flavor to it because, and by the way, we really are on the same page, man. It's too it's too funny to hear you talk. I'm like, wait a minute, that's what that's what I think. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I, I'll add a couple of things to it. Uh, I have a lot of faith in the in the average American soldier because at the ground level, and again, let's let's go back to Normandy because. In Normandy, it wasn't officers that got soldiers organized. It was NCOs and enlisted men that got organized and started to move forward. And this Go will off. be the same. This will be the same thing. You can't look at this as top down leadership. This is going to be organic. And look, is as, as dire as things may look at certain points, as bad as things look in the news, get away from that. Because I know one thing definitively right now, and that is there are millions and millions of unvaccinated former and current U.S. military enlisted and officers that are not going to go along with this. And they're biding their time because people have service commitments, people have families, etc. cetera. Just because they're not talking doesn't mean that they've lost faith in the system, and they are definitely not going to turn their rifles on American citizens. No matter what order is issued to them, it will not be a lawful general order, and they all know that. So the formality of that aside, you have another part of this, and the other part of this is that the the information war that's being levied against the entire planet, not just us right now, is that you're alone, you're isolated, and the left is winning? That is not true, and it's not even the left; it's the elite. It's a very small number of people. So I have faith in the individual soldier. I have faith in the squad-level um, groups of soldiers that have organized outside of the system. And I, trust me, I've talked to a lot of my soldiers, and they've all said the same thing. I ask them, What's, "How do you think? Of, you know, what do you think of this critical race stuff?" And They're like, "Sir, this is all BS." None of us buy into this. None of us believe this. The command's completely lost their mind. We haven't trained. We're not doing real training. And we're not even being um, pushed to be the experts that we're supposed to be. Because one of the things I push my soldiers to do every single time we went to the field is I would I'd literally ha- have a formation and I would say, no one is going back to cantonment until you are experts on your weapon systems. No one clear? Yes, sir. Go to work. And it was always that simple. And now they're doing critical race theory. They're doing ethics training. They're doing all these different pieces of training that have nothing to do with their mission. So I can tell you there's a there's a host of military personnel that are not going along with this. They're just biding their time. Now, that's not the vaccinated piece of this, right? Because you have to differentiate because this is going to be a differentiator. Do I think that they're going to go along with all of these? Maybe some of the orders they'll go along with initially, but there will come a point, just like um, the conversation I have with Tom Longo, there's going to come a point where they're going to realize that to follow the order that they've been issued will be burning a bridge they're standing on, and they're not going to go along with that. So again, you got to remember that as the, as things develop, as the, the, the situation develops, we have three things in our favor right now. Number one, we got God on our side. Number two, we have information and the cultural narrative on our side, which we are not giving up and they are not getting back no matter what they try and do. And number three, all of their plans involve us buying into a narrative. And thus far, they haven't been able to sell any of those narratives. So I don't think they're going to be able to sell the scare tactics no matter what the the next Boogeyman's going to be because there's always a boogeyman. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that's going to develop, but I know that people aren't going along with lockdowns. They're not doing any more masks. They're not doing any more pandemics. They're not going to do any, literally any more giving up their civil rights. And that's not just on the right. That's on the, you see now on the left, they're going after politicians that are going to the extreme left and they're not listening to their base. So even that's even happening on the left. So I think you're going to see not just the military pushback, but you're going to see civilian law enforcement pushback as well. So I have tons of faith in the American people. Even if they don't have faith in themselves because I know that when the flip the switch is flipped, it's game on. And there won't be there won't be any more discussion, there won't be any more talk. If you if you look at the American public after Pearl Harbor, it was a switch and when that that switch was flipped it was all about the destruction of germany and japan especially japan and there was no love loss you're going to see the same thing and i and i'm going to go back to something i said 3 set reps ago you're you're already starting to see disclosures about covid about the the different aspects of what has been happening with the medical institutions that were weaponized against people. You're you're, you're already starting to see disclosures around that. You're seeing disclosures around the Biden family taking money from the Chinese government, specific Chinese actors. You're going to see more disclosures. And those disclosures are going to galvanize more and more people. You're going to see that happen. OJ, you wanted to say something? Go ahead. Hey,
5: I I I appreciate uh, everything you've said. Um, It's funny, but as you were speaking... I thought of a couple of things i thought about where did you get your uh your your joint specialty officer kind of training i mean i, I hear it uh, i hear it when you speak um and then i thought about every time you talked about the uh the service and the excellence of the of the current military community uh i, I wanted to jump in and say wait but and then you addressed it. I mean, I, th- I think you've nailed it. Uh, there, there are pockets of people I know by experience and you talk to them quietly and they're not believers of what's going on. And there are a lot, there are a
4: lot of them. There are a lot.
1: Sorry, that was Colonel Donna. Sorry, sir. I think we lost him. Did we lose you?
0: Yeah, see, I think he's out. No, he's still on it. The Psyops and the psyax
6: are deep. (laughs) It's the ones that can inherently ignore them that are going to do fine. The rest, there's no concern. That's another issue with the civvies. But, uh, you know, I I think the Psyops and psyax are coming from you-know-where, alphabet soup. I mean, I want to be able to speak open and freely here, but I, I feel like I shouldn't. Um. So I'll, I'll, I'll just resonate what I'm thinking
1: inside. I think for now that's a fair strategy, right? Because assume, assume that I had this conversation this morning, which cracks me up. Assume that the Feds are conducting massive interdiction operations across the spectrum right now. Just assume it's going on. Assume they've got provocateurs in literally every part of the country. Remember, this has been a concerted effort. And and if if you guys have listened to my sit reps, you would have heard me say this. It takes an incredible amount of logistics to pull off a coordinated information campaign of this magnitude. This doesn't happen... Just by computers alone, it takes a lot of people to make this happen at the ground level. Because if you've, if you've been involved with any kind of a FEMA operation, and again, Troop can probably talk to this better because he worked with the Red Cross for years. It's a very disorganized and disjointed communication network in and of itself. And it takes a lot of personal coordination to get things done when federal agencies are working together assume the same thing's going on here. Assume they have a lot of people on the ground that are infiltrating all these different groups, listening to all these channels. It's all they're doing all day long is listening to these channels and filtering information. So that's not a bad strategy to have, right? Until you vet people thoroughly, you have to be somewhat cognizant of that. And and trust me when I say this, just in this conversation right now, there's probably five people that are way better than this, way better at this than I am. And, everybody is kind of measured, right? So you should have a measured response for a specific period of time. But that said, I I completely understand where you're at and what you're thinking because we're all probably thinking the exact same thing. Any yes, any sir. other questions or feedback?
6: Just, yeah. just real quick and I'll I'll leave the floor. Uh I I got to meet up with Kessel um last year and uh I had a real a real short but sweet conversation with him and I'll leave it there. I'm not going to revisit that conversation here, but it was, it was nice to chat with someone that had um, um, some knowledge. That's it.
1: The good captain Keschel is a very good guy. He's a real thing. Uh,
7: yeah. And he's tall.
1: <laughs>
7: yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Yeah, Steve. I heard from uh, I, I heard from Seth. He's 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 still in Hawaii. He couldn't he couldn't make this meeting because I guess uh, he's uh, he's leading the charge over there regarding voter integrity. I guess he got a big win too. So, but uh, so he wanted to be here. But as far as the the last speaker, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, when you're afraid, it it inhibits your ability to think rationally and clearly. And all out of this stuff that you're seeing on TV and, you know, in the media, it's, uh, you know, 90% of it is psyop, okay? So, and it's designed to, to confuse you and to make you afraid. Because if you're in those two states, you, 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 you lose your ability to rationalize and to think clearly. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, all of this stuff with this transhumanism, and, you know, men can have babies and, and, you know, it all of this nonsense. It's meant to confuse you and to instill fear because when you are in that state and you cannot rationalize and you cannot think clearly, it is easy for them to, to, to sway you. It is easier for them to get you to buy into this, this belief that, okay, if I just give in a little bit, then We'll go back to quote unquote normal. And we are way past the point of this country ever going back to what, what we think of as normal. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So just, uh, stay in your Bible, stay in your Bible, stay in, stay in the things that you know to be true that, uh, despite all of their lies that, uh, they, they cannot twist that.
6: Well, Master Sergeant, maybe you didn't hear what I said correctly. I, I said that those that aren't able to inherently ignore the psyops and psyacs are the ones I'm I'm concerned about. That's that's what I said. Just to clear that up, Master Sergeant.
1: Any other uh, questions? I thought I think there was another question out there. I want to make sure we get to it.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to comment. Uh... Colonel Murray, I hope all these people that uh, actually want to do good and see good, like myself, and in getting involved in their community, um, I hope they step up regardless of what their background or what, regardless of what their skill set is, because you never know a thing until you go try to do it, and even if you fail, you're probably not the only one in the building or the only one in the atmosphere that failed at that to begin with, and, you know, most likely somebody's going to come behind you and try to show you something wild that um, and to all the people who are opposite of that idea, all the people that want to see bad things happen, I hope they measured the distance from the soil to their anal cavity, and I hope they engaged and closed that distance really quickly and painfully.
1: I think you're going to see that. Well, I, wanted because... to, I wanted to add on to that because I,
5: I always ahead. say you're more powerful than you think you are. And the people that we're concerned about are a lot less powerful than they think they are. So your self-accountability, your faith in God, your faith in your training, your faith in your family and your neighbors, that's what makes a difference here. And you need to remind everybody at all levels, you know, not everybody's a special operator or a Green Beret or a lieutenant colonel or whatever, but everybody is an American, and if you have a degree of patriotism and faith in God and love for your country, you're exactly the type of person that needs to be involved and engaged. So just remember that. And when people are getting down, I want to leave everybody with a thought. When Moses was fleeing to the Red Sea, God did not leave him a kayak. He had faith in the Lord and faith in his training and faith in his people and faith in his mission. You are more powerful than you think you are, regardless of who you are or what training you have.
7: A mic drop moment. Well said.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll ditto that. Well said, brother.
4: I add one little thing to that. Go for uh, it. The, <clears throat> the uh, you know, the fear and the uh, and the kind of apprehension and all that stuff. Uh, being a forty-year veteran of logistics as a logistician, if you could build your comfort around where you are and what you think you need and where you're going to get it and build your, your base of, so that you're not trying to figure out where I'm going to get food, where I'm going to get water, where I'm going to get whatever, medicine especially. If you don't have to worry about that as things start coming at you, whatever it is, psyops or real kinetic or whatever, if you build that cocoon of logistic support behind yourself and your family and your friends, that lends a lot of comfortability to your situation. So I would say that, you know, you got to be confident in, in where you're at, what you have, what you need and where you're going to get it. If it, if the crap hits the fan. So, you know, self-reliance is a, is the key to making yourself comfortable getting ready to go into this or maintain in this, this whole environment.
1: I'll I'll add to that really quickly. I I think so. There's two parts to that. The, The first part is courage is contagious, Right. A lot of people are laying low right now because they're not sure who to trust, what to believe, and what's real. There's, you'd be surprised how many people I talk to every single day that literally have no idea what Telegram is or what Rumble is or some of the other platforms. They have no idea where to look or where to go for good information. And thats I think thats some of that's going to happen organically at the, at the local level, right? You're going to see people start to ask questions when, when major communications break down or major communications are interdicted, you're going to have people starting to form in groups. And then the second piece of that is once that happens within your local area, you'll start to see people coming out of the woodwork, people you probably didn't even realize were thinking the same things you were, just didn't voice it. They'll come out of the woodwork. That's, that's happened to me literally. And the good thing about that is, is they're going to rally around who the local leaders are, the informal leaders, and the real leaders, and you're going to see that develop as well. And one of the interesting things that I saw in Iraq versus in Afghanistan, Iraq was more of a try. Everything was tribal first, and then it was then it was religious, and then it was political, and it was a very dynamic environment. One thing was very very apparent human nature always showed up in the right place and it showed up when things ran out. You saw people getting creative and, and helping their neighbors and you saw people helping the, you know, their tribe first and then their neighbors, but it was really them helping their communities. And it was, it was under the guise of, you know, they started with the children, right? When children were without, they started to to barter and to trade and make things work but a funny thing happened while they were doing that. They realized they all had the same common goals and then things just kind of leveled out and they started to work together. And you'll see the same thing. Courage is very contagious. I, I, I can't say that enough. And, and the other thing that's, that's missing from our social dynamic right now is the fact that people have forgotten who we are. The younger generations have no idea who we are. And that, that's going to be let's just say that reminder will show up in probably one of the most unique ways because it always does. And you'll see communities starting to work together. It's already starting to happen, but it's, it's happening on a micro level. And I think that's going to explode as well. So, and then the last piece of that is look, you can't prepare for everything. Don't try prepare the best way you can. Part of the sphere of influence and line of sight I've been talking about is that your sphere of influence helps you build complementary relationships within your community so you have a pool of people to work with that you can trust and a pool of people that you can work with just on communication as well. All of those things matter. And the funny thing happens with, especially, and I'm not, okay, I'll just say it, with Americans. One of the things that happens with Americans, when bad things happen, people start to rally together to solve problems. I've seen it happen time and time again. And, and not just in natural disasters or emergencies. I've I've seen it happen in a variety of circumstances, and you will see that happen again. And I think it's all a culmination point that's tied to disclosures, it's tied to current events, and it's tied to shortages and things not not being delivered, and people having to do without. Remember, we're talking about ten generations that have never lived without anything. So that's going to be scary for a lot of people. And I hate to say it, but if you're listening to this, all of you are community leaders. So you'll see the unity piece of this build as the communities start to suffer more and more hardships. There'll be initially, there'll be probably some, I'm going to hunker down, but eventually that's going to go away as people start to to communicate at their local level. I, th- I can't say that, I'm probably not doing it any justice, but I think all of those things are going to play all at the same time. 80% readiness, one hundred
5: percent of the time
1: Say that one more time, strip. You're breaking up. I caught part of it.
5: focus on on what you can what you can control. I go on the on the motto of be eighty percent prepared, one hundred percent of the time. You're never going to be one hundred percent prepared for anything, but you need to address the things that you know you need to address. So if you're at eighty percent going into it, then your brain can focus on that 20%. You don't know when you need to know it.
1: Amen. am in and yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, does that help?
0: Yeah, that, that reminds me of, uh, of a something I learned in, uh, jumping out of planes, uh, down there at Yuma, uh, know when you're doing your emergency procedures which i've had to do a few in all those years um, the first thing you do is control the controllables. so typically emergency procedure pilot will tell you this for sure i'm sure there's some pilots on here Uh, you don't let go of the yoke you uh when you run out of fuel you you keep flying the plane right so uh the the answer to, to controlling chaos there's no real controlling chaos the answer to operating in chaos Is to control that controllable right in front of you, and then the biggest thing that I get from people when I'm talking and I'm out, um, you know, just talking to people as a doc really is anxiety. Anxiety's just devastated our 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 latest later generations. Um, People are not as social anymore. They spend most of their time looking at their phones or or kids, you know, playing games and interacting with people is hard enough just to have a normal conversation, much less any confrontation or any. Any added stress to their lives, and you know, and I've been through it. You know, stress inoculation was a way of life for you know 39 years for me. Uh, really, more on the first half as a lower enlisted guy, but still. Um, and and it and it's that the more you do it, the better you get at it. But you got to you know you got to train right, you know, and and control the controllables, and it's the little things. So now I'm working with a, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent here, but I'm just going to tell you what I'm working on. Is I'm working with a, a an outfit that's basically teaching people how to grow um, uh, food for us, if you will, or a uh, victory garden on steroids, you know, but not using chemicals, uh, so, you, so that you can actually turn your yard into a, a place where you can have sustenance. You know, walk out your back door and you can and find things and in creating the communities that then can share those particular things in your own uh, farmers markets in your neighborhood where I grow potatoes and you grow corn, and then we trade. And then uh, I, I have a skill set. Okay, I'm a doc. I got a black bag. I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to trade for some preserves today. And we're going to get through this hard time because where I grew up, when a tornado came through and it squashed the town next to us, the other town got all together and went over there and helped them out. But the things that I saw that happened in Katrina and Rita and Harvey and some of those places where I saw communities get together, uh, out of love and, and out of, you know, the, the truest virtue of a warrior, which is love and not hate. Um, when I saw that, they did fine. When I saw them prey upon each other and get, you know, uh, the anxiety levels went up, um, then they started praying on each other. And, th- and those things, that's human nature, just what Steve was saying. When you saw those things play out downrange, it was when they were put to the test. And by God, we're Americans. And on top of it, I'm in Texas, so I'll be kind of proud of that. Uh, we're, we're Texans, and, we, and we, we, you know, we'll stand on the line. We'll stand shoulder to shoulder. And, and, you know, and I always tell people, they say, well, were you were you born in Texas? Or, you know, when they ask somebody, I'm like, Davy Crockett wasn't from Texas. He was here one year and died at the Alamo. Neither was William Barrett Travis. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of being Americans. And, and we will rise to the occasion, but you're going to fall back to your training. So you've got to make sure that you got that training at least at a basic level. And it starts with mindset.
1: Any other questions yeah. out there for the good Colonel?
4: Yes, yes, sir. Doc, uh, been following you for a while. Um, God bless you. God, God bless all you for all you've done. Yeah, um, I'm interested in that um, that food forest uh, uh, that you're talking about. It there's a there's a documentary called Back to Eden that talks all about you know, how God's original creation in, in Eden, the garden, how it how if we learn how to garden like that once again, it takes care of itself. It's it's an incredible documentary that everybody could benefit from if you learn that style of of uh, of growing and and. As you said, you could help your, your communities and, and build out a, a rather large uh, homestead, whether it's a small space or a large space, and provide a lot of food. So if, if, if when the time is right, if you could post any information about that food forest pr- program that you that you're going I, towards, uh, we'd appreciate
0: yeah, absolutely, it. absolutely. I will. I'll put it on my website as a
4: line of effort, and
0: uh, it's something that's kind of new to what I'm doing right now. But I'll say this: that the worst thing that ever happened to farming was in uh, ranching was uh, huge corporations, worst thing that ever happened, number one. Number two, Jimmy Carter, when he gave subsidies to the ranchers and farmers for not growing things and then insuring your crops so that uh, if they failed, you'd still get paid. Well, a lot of people got lazy, and now half the land in Oklahoma and Texas being sold is sold to uh, people growing marijuana up in Oklahoma and uh, Chinese in Texas. I've seen it. I've seen a Chinese flag flying in Del Rio, Texas, out of business. It's pathetic. So, yes, I will, I will t- talk about that uh, more in detail. I'll put that out on the website. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing because it's just good stewardship. It's in, uh, let me see. Oh, by the way, the answer to all these things is in this little book I got. It's called the Bible. Um, and, uh, you know, Genesis uh, 1 through 4 um, talks about mankind have, having stewardship over the land and the animals. And there's a, there's a, there's a real meaning to that. And so uh, that's exactly what this stuff is based upon. This is this is there's no magic to it. It's just treating it right. And, it, and you don't need the chemicals and you don't need the Monsantos and you don't need the Tyson's uh, meat packing plant. We can take cattle and we can sell it right to you. Um, and that's what's happening right now in Texas. As since COVID shut down the Tyson meat packing plant because the PCR tests, which are ridiculous, shut it down. That's a whole nother subject. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I'll get it out.
1: Yeah, Return yes, to certainly. Eden is interesting because uh, that 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 was shot in Squim, Washington, which is an interesting place in and of itself. But the if you haven't seen the movie, essentially what the guy does is he uses wood chips and grows in wood trip wood chips, and he uses chicken maneuver chicken manure mixed with um, I think it's sawdust that he sources locally, and he's got all these dope deals set up to where people come and bring stuff to him, and he shares all shares all of his Is crops and it's it it really does work. I had, uh, I think 12 raised beds in Washington that using the exact same technique and things grow and the soil stays moist and it's it's amazing how it works. So I think that you, like I said, you're going to see communities come together like that. And it's (laughs) I had to laugh because I knew you're going to say, I knew you were going to say the Bible, I knew it was coming out sometime. Well, I said it
0: the other day by accident to somebody. They're like, that's so <laughs> profound. I'm like, what? I was just talking about the book I just read. <laughs> I, I knew I wasn't it was coming to be profound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, and there's an interesting bit. Now we look at history. Let's, let's real quick bring it, you know, back forward and then I'm going to take it backward just for a second. Nord Stream pipeline. Okay. What did that supply? It supplied, you know, oil, natural gas. What happened when natural gas got shut down in Germany? You ever heard of BASF? All right. Well, they shut down the the ability to uh, perform what's called the Haberbosch technique to make uh, NH4, ammonia. Well, NH4 is used in, in, you know, uh, fertilizer, also used in bombs. But, uh, you know, in that fertilizer, when that happened around the time of 1913, I believe, when that process really took off, that's when the population of the world, because of using fertilizer, Fertilizer. took off. Fertilizer. Right. Amazing. But before that, guess what it was? Chicken poop and cow poop and bat guano—that's what they used. So, yeah, we, we don't need to have the Haberbosch principle being, you know, producing NH four through uh, uh, you know a, a process. It, it helps, but if we don't, if we don't have it, since it's been shut down and BASF is shutting down and moving to China, uh, that's that's what we got to look at. So, we'll just keep on. We're we're just going to move on. It'll happen.
7: Something in there, real quick.
1: Go ahead. Sorry, I'm trying to come off mute, so go ahead.
7: That's all right. Um, so, you know, just to take this full circle, um, you can find pretty much all of um, the, uh, we call ourselves the OZINT, OZINT team uh, on the OZINT channel. Oh, it's spelled o, in capitals O S I N T. And that's pretty much where. You know, anything that we produce gets put out and you can also uh, DM me uh, on Telegram and I'll provide you my email address. And, uh, you know, in regards to anything regarding the intergovernmental agency agreements or any product that that uh, the team puts out. And then, of course, there's also always, uh, you know, our leader, Steve uh, Colonel Murray's channel. So just wanted to put that out.
1: And we'll link of all of uh, Pete's uh, website and all his information. We'll post in the channel so everybody can get to it. And uh, at some point, we'll probably link our substack with with his his page so that if there's a one-stop so folks can get to the right information. If, if uh, Let's do one more question, and then we'll wrap it up for the night. Any, any last questions for uh, Colonel Chambers? I think you stunned him, Pete. Just saying. I
4: think you <laughs> stunned him well, today. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Hey, look, guys, consider me, you know, if this is a team, I'll be your team doc, and then anything medical just, uh, you know, run it through me. I can help with other stuff too. But, uh, yeah, always, uh, I'm always here to everything that I have is your your guys' stuff. So. Never
1: any any last that. things you want to say to the group?
0: Yeah, actually, I do, based upon something that you just uh, mentioned over there. It's, uh, you know, those moments, those those key moments in in combat you know it's like uh if you're doing a close quarter battle and you hear the ak magazines hit the ground you're like okay now we got to go now right because they just reloaded okay so uh june 6 1944 uh omaha beach first IDs coming on shore uh they're they're getting just slaughtered you know direct fire indirect fire all this stuff is happening these soldiers just just can't you know they're they're leaning up against uh, sea walls they're they're digging ditches in the sand And uh, George Taylor, uh, I believe Colonel George Taylor, uh, you know, pretty rare to see a colonel on the beach, you know, uh, in the middle of combat. But he did. And um, I I, I appreciate that. But he looked around and said, hey, there's only two kinds of soldiers on this beach, the dead and those who will die. He looked at the Bangalore torpedo. It hit the wire. it, It cut through the wire for you combat engineers out there. That's people that aren't. That's a piece of ordinance that slides underneath a wire and blows it open so you can get through wire. All right. So the, the, follow me if you want to live. Let's go. Now, he didn't say that part, but uh, he did say the rest of it. And so it's important to know we're at a moment like that. But it's it's not where we've got to uh, fix bayonets. It's where we've got to fix our hearts because the truest virtue of a warrior. I'm telling you right now, I, I searched it for 39 years is love. I've, I've operated out of hate before and it just tears you down. You love who's next to you, you love who's behind you and, and whoever's in front of you. Uh, you, know, you pray for them and you hope they see, you know, see the light. If they don't, you know, then it's then it's business. And and, and in this business, we're not talking kinetics. We're talking about we are just going to defy. We're going to do what we want to do. If somebody tells you you can't do it, you say, OK, and you do what you're going to do anyway. Because you're Americans, you've got sovereignty. Sovereignty is the solution and the solution is sovereignty. That's my last note.
2: Hey Steve, I just had uh, one quick question. Um, I'm not really familiar with this app historically. Um, if this entire uh, channel or, uh, app goes goes down, you know, in thirty days, all of these PDFs that were displayed and all the things that are uploaded by the the team earlier that master sergeant donna was talking about is that saved into the local device area or is that all connected to servers that will all automatically go out if this was to go down for whatever reason whether it's signal whether it's telecommunication or the alphabet punks or whatever it is uh can you enlighten me to the some of that
0: We have a lot. I think we may have lost Steve.
1: Can you hear me now? Licking chicken. Yep. <laughs> it's been a, uh, it's been a great technology night. Let's just say that. So all the things that we post to the channel are posted to Substack. Um, we have a queue of things that are going into Substack, um, the things that Troop posts on, on his channel, he also posts to my channel. You can download those either from his channel or my channel and post and download it to your local drive. Um, you can also uh, hit the substack. There's, there's a variety of ways to do it. I, I have a, uh, a backup of everything that I've posted to substacks on a, uh, both a network drive as well as a, a local drive. Does that answer the question?
2: Yeah, 10-4. I just wanted to make sure there would be a, um, a secondary path or venue in case this group fails or not fails in terms of operations, but the way it's working now. Um, I think this is a great resource, and uh, I wish I would have found out about you guys five years ago. You know, I only came across you a year ago, so I wish it would have been sooner.
1: Well, I've only been at the, the Telegram game for about two years now. So you wouldn't have found me five years ago. I would have been living a quiet life and ignoring the world, living blissfully unaware. So unfortunately now we're all blissfully aware. And it's like, you know, several of us have said tonight, all of us have a moral obligation, not only to do something, but we're morally obligated that we should do something and will do something, which is why we're doing this. And that's where all this came from. And I'm, and I'm including, cause there's a lot of military on this, on this chat tonight. Um, I see, uh, at least one other lieutenant colonel down here. Uh, lieutenant colonel Crawford, thanks for joining. By the way, I know we have the good Captain Arroyo that was here as well. By the way, thank you for the uh, hospitality over the weekend. It was fantastic to meet you. There's a lot of, there's a lot of folks that have. Congregated and, and come to not just this channel but other channels. If I'm a conduit for multiple people and, and it and is a source of information that's reliable, then that's that to me is a success. So we're we're going to keep doing what we're doing. I'm definitely going to have Colonel Chambers back, and we'll have uh, another. We'll do another discussion as these IGAs develop because I think they're going to develop, and we're going to see some other things. But this hopefully this is a reference and a, and a good place to start. I know that. You know, troops are a repository of knowledge. You've got uh, Centurion is a repository of knowledge. All my admins have a lot to bring. I have law enforcement in my admins. I have, I have business owners. I have, you know, p- uh, political activists. I have, you name it. They, I'm affiliated with so many different people now. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I think all of this was, was put in front of me as, as my brother used to say. Sometimes you're thrust into things that you don't want to do, and people are thrust in front of you. You have to recognize them, meet them where they are, and things will develop from there. And he was right, and that's where we are. So appreciate the feedback. Um, and if Pete, if you don't have any last comments, uh, I will say thanks to everyone, and we'll do this again probably um, yeah. in a, two weeks.
0: Thank you, sir. That was great.
1: All right, everyone, I appreciate it. Everyone, have a good night.
4: Good night.